Hey there, everyone. We are the MI guys here hey. to help with your evidence-based communication skills with the individuals, uh, organizations, and communities that you serve. So welcome to the conversation. My name is John Gilbert, and this is Casey Jackson. Hello. He's our director, and we are here now to just kind of highlight and talk with Casey a little bit about mindful communication, because that's the topic for today, which is quite a broad topic. Uh, but particularly, we might have some MI flavors we throw in, but uh, when you think of mindful communication, what would you say kind of comes to mind with where we should start with this? I think, when you, like you just talked about, with primarily thinking of motivational interviewing, or even if you're not thinking of it, it's just a good structure, is I just think about empathetic listening and being present in the moment. I think that what people get confused with, especially with motivational interviewing or even reflective listening, I think traditionally we think about chasing words like, um, oh, I'm struggling with depression. It sounds like you're depressed. I'm not sure what my stops are from here. It's like, yeah, you're, you're trying to figure out this plan. And, and it can feel like you're just chasing language. And that isn't as mindful. That's more about you paying attention to what you're going to say. Mm -hmm. And with mindful communication or when we think about accurate empathy in motivational, motivational interviewing or um, active listening, what I think of why that bridges so well into mindful communication is because you have to almost leave your own reality and be so present in someone else's reality and then have a, a self-assessment of your own process, your own communication style, what your thoughts are, what your reactions are. So I think about, again, like with our writing reflex, when we talk about equipoise, when we talk about equanimity, there's so much self-awareness you have to have while you're literally trying to be in the reality or the experience of another human being. And I think that's one of the challenges of mindful communication. And so you've got those two things in play. What are my reactions? And having a self-awareness of that. What is the full experience, not only the present experience for the person we're talking to, but what are they experiencing in the world and how are they experiencing it, which we are trying to get access to and, and move into and be present with and mindful of. And then what is our knowledge base so we can actually contribute to this conversation? And when is that appropriate? Mm -hmm. So we're managing mm -hmm. that. So the level of in the moment, um, the number of balls you're trying to juggle in a mindful conversation it's pretty complex, but in some ways, what I like about it is you get to let the rest of the world fall away. And I think we get so pressured on stressors of day-to-day -day moments, the family, our job, our finances, politics, there's so many things going on in the world. I think that exhaust us. For me, at least, there's something really nice and peaceful about being able to like let the world wash away and be really present with the person I'm talking to, step inside their reality, feel the energy the way they're feeling the energy, be able to be in my own body while I'm trying to understand another person's reality. There's something about that that, although it's really complex, it's kind of refreshing to let the rest of the world fall away and, and everything's in divine order in this moment in time and I can just trust that, which allows me to be really present uh, in this conversation. Mm -hmm. It kind of then is this uh, flow state sort of entering into a zone of sorts and when you're in that zone, you're still aware and you're still um, actively thinking of things and you're raising your awareness level, but you're in this almost concentrated, you know, you could call it a flow state of I'm so present right now with this person, that's all that's existing, that's all that's mattering is just this. And so that relates highly to some of you that may have come across this with 
uh, mindful communication or what is mindfulness and and we could get into a deep dialogue around that but if you're noticing we're kind of putting an MI lens on this conversation where if you're going to think MI and you have a reaction to it as Casey was saying then that means you're aware of that reaction which means you're mindful you're aware that you're having this interaction you're if you're wanting to be in equanimity or equal position you're aware that you responding to that reaction takes you out of that and then you're probably going to be aware that resistance is probably going to pop up if you respond to that and if you then are aware that resistance is happening after you did all that that's another level of awareness so it just kind of keeps upping your game and if you get good at this it can be hard at the beginning but then you can enter what you're talking about this almost freedom of a flow state where you just get into the zone and you're so present with the process that then it just kind of flows from you a little bit more while you're aware so what else would you say mi adds a kind of a unique lens on uh, mindful communication when you think okay this is what kind of mi brings to the table versus a more general conversation of mindfulness i would i would say the primary difference between kind of the presence in motivational interviewing and the presence in a mindfulness uh, state is when you think of mindful, I'm more aware of my state of being, my own self-awareness, my own self-assessment. And so it is more self-centered. It's aware of things around you as well, but it's more from my awareness and my mindful Mm -hmm. perspective on the situation. And when I think of a motivational interviewing perspective, I want to be mindful of things like my writing reflex. I also want to be mindful of the expertise or the insights that I bring to the table, but I also have to be mindful of where that person's state of thinking is. Mm -hmm. So it's, it starts to shift from more my focus to whoever I'm working with focus and what their values and their goals are. So you have to kind of, if you're going to co-create or collaborate for the best possible outcome, it's me being mindful of the moment of myself, but then being able to shift over to the mindfulness of what's their worldview, mindful about what that person's value set is, what their goals are, and what that structure is about. And for me, that's where it starts to shift to more MI. I think in general, if I'm mindful, I'm aware of those things, but there's less of a contractual sense that there's a reason why we're together and there's an outcome that's being worked towards and it's the outcome of the individual that I'm working with that we're focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that there's it's a, a shift or an expansion of mindfulness or a focusing of mindfulness into um, if there's a, uh, a balance, the balance starts to move towards the mindfulness around the individual you're talking to and motivational mm. interviewing. So again, mm. you have to have the mindfulness within yourself, but it really is about that individual that you're working with and thinking about how can I advance their outcomes for what they want, what are their values, what are their goals, um, where are those aspects of evolution and growth that that individual that I'm aware of, and are there ways that I can be present or offer things up that um, kind of pave the road uh, to more effectively move in that direction. So that's where I'd say there's more of an MI bend to it yes. is uh, it shifts more from my own mindfulness and awareness of myself and my place in the world and my place in this moment and my my presence in my environment, my surroundings, and specifically shifting into uh, more of a hyper-awareness of someone else's at the same time I have kind of a conscious awareness of my own. 
Yeah, this is really interesting because this 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 brings a, a thought to mind that I haven't thought of before with MI and mindful communication, and it uh, builds off of something that you continually have helped me with that I think I can can improve upon. The first thought is this idea that it's almost like there's this Venn diagram of here's you, here's the person. You can both have mindfulness, but in MI, you're kind of blending these two to overlap so that you have a mindfulness of you, you have a mindfulness of them, and kind of this crisscross of where you know information might be helpful. And there's just kind of a, a blending almost of, of two entities coming together there when you're yes. mindful in MI. You're at a deeper level of, of or a higher level, whatever you want to say, yes. a stronger, more concentrated level of mindfulness because it's not just you anymore. It's someone else's mindfulness that you're really taking on and really stepping in those shoes quite literally. And that relates something to earlier um, that you were getting at too is this idea that MI, or at least mindfulness with MI, isn't just about reflecting, because I'm here to reflect to you. Right. It's this sense of, I am here to genuinely step in your shoes and experience what you're experiencing, even if you're not saying it, and throw that out there. And that's different kind of of what you were getting at and how I learned empathy, which is I'm going to reflect your reality to you versus I'm going to feel what you're feeling and be mindful of that and also be mindful that in my own entity, I'm going to reframe that forward all at the same time. So it's, it's multiple levels of mindfulness going on, especially when you are very in their shoes versus your own shoes. Well, and and this is the thing that I think of where in ways that the Venn diagram example is such a great example. And then ways that I would vary from that as well too, is because the predominant overlap is you overlapping the reality, but it's like the podcast we've done before on the difference between relationship and partnership and the separateness between those two, because when there's a significant overlap, then the overlap is that they're overlapping into you as well. Mm. And in Mm. motivational reviewing, that's, there's not that overlap there. It really is um, kind of, you're trying to engulf and get a sense of what their experience is and their reality is but what you're trying to uh, circumvent or just uh, shift is that there's not the back and forth because the back and forth, the relating or relationship part, mm. it just increases a potential for discord mm. or tension or adjusting their thinking because they want to please us or they're angry with us. It's just all of those potentials increase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so those one of the things I think about with mindfulness too is it's not that it's a one-way mindfulness. That's why the Venn diagram, I think, makes total sense. There is, there's an exchange, there's a rapport. Literally, the first of the four processes is engagement, so you want engagement, but that tilting really is that we're trying to be so hyper-aware of someone else's reality and our own reality, but that's not expected. In a lot of ways, we don't want that in an MI-based conversation. We really want it to be focused on the individual which is what sets us up for a sustained behavior change because it's their behavior, their reality that we're focused on. Mm -hmm. So, so there's no expectation that it's reciprocated, which again makes it such a unique form of communication Mm -hmm. uh, because we usually tend to think of communication as dialogue between two people and the sharing of ideas, Mm -hmm. which is phenomenal. It's where growth, all sorts of things happen, but it does help us get clear when we're talking about MI or mindful communication, this is really focused on the individual we're working with. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the, the primary uh, targets in, in an MI-based conversation. Yeah, and this really brings up uh, something that might be 
not normal, so it's abnormal, and yet it tends to garner positive outcomes with behavior change conversations, right. which is if you and I were out there and, and I'm meeting you, there's this sense of, you know, as, as you have, have trained, do, do we commune or do we go to war? What's, right. what's happening here? But in MI, we're not as focused on that. I'm still focused on your reality and it's all about you. I'm not focused on do I agree with you or do I disagree? I'm not focused on um, do I like this person's political uh, situation or not or whatever the preferences are. Exactly. But that's how we make friends. That's how we um, tend to get together or not get together. But you're relate. Saying, it's literally how do we relate? In MI, it's less about me relating to you and it really is more about me being mindful that that's not that has a lot of dynamics that could happen absolutely and yet so I'm going to be mindful of that and instead I'm going to go I'm going to go here instead and that is that is a pause and that is being mindful literally with what you're doing when you're communicating with people the other thing I wanted to kind of dive into a little bit more um, that we haven't talked about as much is your own sense of being mindful of people's values and needs and motives and how that kind of fits into this way of being mindful with MI. I think the thing that most readily I relate to as soon as you say that, the first thing that clicks in my brain is partially what we talk about with supporting autonomy and activation. You and I have had many conversations about assuming positive intent. And I think the mindfulness about assuming positive intent, because when we sit down as a professional to work with another person or to advance their outcomes, the first thing we think of is what's the problem and how can we help? Yes. It's just, I mean, just as generically speaking as possible, that's what we tend to do. And with this kind of mindfulness perspective or someone's values and goals, when we talk top of the mountain, it's so much easier to allow so much of the content to fall away and look at another person and assume positive intent. And I think when we think of self-determination theory and and so many other person-centered theories, you get to believe that every human being wants to be the best version of themselves. And I think that is such an easier way to go into a mindfulness is that the content can suck you into all sorts of reactions and, and this where mindfulness comes in. Mm -hmm. What's my thoughts? What are my values? What are my beliefs? But it is such an other person focused approach. And when you look at values and goals and you start to assume positive intent, it's so much easier to just say this person wishes their life was in a better place than it is. And there's all these barriers and struggles and, um, and trees in front of them they can't get through in the forest. And all you're trying to do is get them focused on the peak and mm -hmm. how do they get up there. And so I think just assuming that and knowing they want to get up there is really helpful, but it's also not normal because mm -hmm. when we tend to hear content and somebody's struggling, we want to fix it. Yeah. We want to dive in and give ideas and suggestions and opinions. Mm -hmm. And I have a friend that tried it this way and I did this and this works for me so well. It's just, that is normal human communication. Mm -hmm. Like you were talking about, if you, know, you meet somebody in the park, how does it tend to go down? Mm -hmm. Are we going to commune? Are we going to go to war? And, and it's this exchange. And what I'll say about the mindful part of it too, is when you go into a mindful conversation and an MI based conversation, think about this, John, when somebody is that present, isn't that the kind of person you want to relate to and be around more? So you have to have a mindfulness of knowing the more present you are, the more you're focused on their reality, the more they're going to want to be around you and build a relationship with you. Mm -hmm. So the mindfulness about how do I orchestrate this conversation and in an MI professional way with healthy boundaries, 
not have that, how do you get the engagement and not have that at some point desire for them to go, Oh my God, I want to hang around this person. Like Mm -hmm. I wish my spouse would talk to me this way. I wish I had friends that would talk to me this way. So you have to be really mindful about how do you navigate that? Because again, it is about their reality. Mm -hmm. So how do I also manage the energy, which is a mindfulness process, kind of the flow you were talking about. How do you manage that? Because there's going to be a natural desire for that person that's feeling so hurt and understood to want to hang out with you and go get a cup of coffee and uh, you know come over on the weekend. I mean, that's just it, it makes sense by every human interaction indicator mm-hmm. that that those things, those little those little neurons are going to be firing, um, and that feel good neurochemical flow is going to be happening, and just the general energetic love that you have for people is going to increase. Mm -hmm. So I think that's another thing about the mindfulness when you compare it to a general conversation. If you and I are just out having our great MI conversations and meaning of life conversations that you and I get into um, is different because we have a relationship, Mm -hmm. but that is so different than the mindfulness when you and I are sitting down and and, uh, mindfully bringing motivational to the table Mm -hmm. in our method of communication or style of communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much that could be going on to pay attention to. It really depends on the dynamic of, of, of what's happening. If you really are in that moment with them and they ask you, what's your opinion or what do you think or do you want to hang out afterwards? There is a moment, and especially as being a trainer and and uh, trying this out, you're gonna you're gonna get those moments. Or if you do do MI, but it all comes back to who do you want to be in that moment? Do you want to be a relator, or do you want to be an empowerer without you? Or do you is that not a time for MI, and you're just gonna Absolutely. make a friendship, right? <laughs> like, there's a time for that too. So it's just those moments and. One thing that I'm thinking too, to, to bring it back to another piece that I'm curious about is what would you say when you're thinking of mindful listening, maybe, because we're talking about mindful communication, how would you say MI relates to mindful listening? For example, we'd, we'd worked with um, some different, or- we worked with some different organizations for our tool, the MICA, and uh, a wonderful person, I can't remember her name, I can picture her, uh, talked about listening styles, like yes. how there might be learning styles. And so that might influence uh, someone's mindfulness when they're doing MI. But we also talk about listening for change talk, listening for values, not getting sucked in the content. Um, And you can listen to another podcast or maybe our Focus Mountain or something. But not getting sucked into all that, but listening differently. So how would you say, I don't know, mindful listening in MI fits into this? It's such a great point, John. It's actually partly where my brain was going um, in terms of the listening style differences. And again... Fundamentally, what I think of is there is a different way your brain tracks information when you're listening for content other than listening for meaning. And when Mm -hmm. I'm listening for content, like I need exact information, my brain is listening different than when I'm trying to step back and find out what are they really talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the difference between more simple reflections and complex reflections, or if they're just complex reflections but they're not particularly empathetic is I am trying to understand how are they hearing it, how are they experiencing it, and give words to what's really going on. Because we know sometimes what comes out of our mouth is not what we mean. And so it's less about the words coming out of their mouth and how do we use those as kind of a viaduct to go inside of their reality and find out where is the source of this coming from. I think that's why, I mean, it gets kind of 
heady or, or a little too woo-woo-y for that when you think of it from that perspective. But honestly, that is where I think of a mindful conversation comes from, is what is this really, really about? And, mm-hmm. and, and to kind of have some of the facade fall away or move beyond the facade of the words and think what's really going on inside that person. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, it is that style of listening that shifts because there's so many right ways to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I think of for a mindful listening style as well, too, mm-hmm. is, you, you, again, you're tracking your own reactions because every time people talk, we're going to have our own thoughts and reactions to it. Letting those kind of fade away and then stepping and using that viaduct into their worldview mm-hmm. as they're giving us words and find out what is the meaning behind that. And that takes a whole level of, of mindfulness in that process mm-hmm. as well. So. And, the, and the, the thing that seems to resonate with people, but that you can take away of like a summary of this, albeit bumper sticker-esque, yeah. is really this sense of listening beyond the content, but listening for the intent or yes. the meaning. So you could call it beyond the content to the positive intent. Yes. They're just trying to get their needs met. And this is one way that they're going about it, right? Absolutely. And I, I really want to point people to our whole concept that uh, Casey has really developed around the Focus Mountain to dive deeper into this on how you listen through this kind of filter of needs, goals, and values beyond the content because it's very powerful uh, to listen in that way because all of a sudden you cut through all the clutter and you get to the heart of the issue yes. much faster. But you got to be really mindful about not getting triggered or caught in all that stuff yes. and leaving your reality to go like, oh, so the deeper meaning of what you're talking about is this. And you're ultimately wanting to get to this greater sense of this. They didn't say that at all, right. but you're listening so deeply. So one one last thing that I'd, I want to bring in before we uh, start bringing this episode to, to a close is this idea of mindful questions. Because we've talked a lot about leaving our reality, entering theirs, doing reflections from their reality, which could also add direction. Mm-hmm. They, they maybe did not say certain things that yep. were throwing out there. Um, and so we can still add direction very substantially with stepping in their shoes. But what about when you're as a practitioner or you're practicing, uh, trying to be more mindful in general with your spouse, partner, whatever, how do mindful questions fit in with this? And what would you say is more of a mindful type of a evocative question versus less uh, mindful, less evocative? I, I think, you know, again, we have our podcast on evocation or, or talking about uh, a, a, an evocative open question or listening. And I think that's the nature of it. First, the first thing we always think about is when you're mindful, you're aware and you're present. But if you're going to shift to a question, it comes from a place of genuine curiosity to get more access to someone's worldview. So it's less about when I think of closed-ended questions or even specific types of open-ended questions, they really are for gathering data for our brain. And so when you think about that fundamentally, the difference between kind of a mindful process. So, and I think you can have mindful closed-ended questions or open-ended questions that are more mindful about my own reality when we're talking about mindfulness from that perspective. But I think when you look through an MI lens, it really is about curiosity about somebody else's worldview. And so an evocative open question or listening, you want to evoke, you want to be able to find out when, from their vantage point, what are their thoughts about this scenario, about their own feelings, about uh, this reality that they're navigating. And, And then to be able to be so present to, again, listen past the words in their response to what is the meaning or the deeper meaning behind that. Mm-hmm. And using that as the kind of uh, blueprint or the map to get to where you 
want to navigate a conversation towards the outcome or goals of that individual. Mm-hmm. So there's there's times we wouldn't be so present that we listen, but partly engaging the other person's brain mindfully, especially when you've got that engagement for their own mindful engagement in where their brain wants to go, where their life wants to go, where they want their values to uh, unfold, how they want them to align with their own behavior. It's also that process of mindfulness that when you're in someone else's reality and you're getting their brain to engage in a, in a problem-solving or a solution perspective, it, that's where growth can happen in that mindful state as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's what I think of with the whole construct of evoking or eliciting and motivational interviewing mm-hmm. because anything that's written about it always is talking about with the tone of curiosity mm-hmm. because you don't know what's beyond that question for that mm-hmm. individual. And a lot of times the individual you're talking to doesn't know what's beyond that question. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for your, for like when we keep talking mindfulness, so your own state of awareness that this may take them to a level level they've never been before, how do I orchestrate that question so they want their brain to move into a space that maybe they've never explored mm-hmm. before? Um, and again, so this, to me, foundationally, it has that a very uh, distinct flavor of being mindful and not clinical mm-hmm. from that perspective. That was really powerful for me as, as, as you're talking there about this sense of your own state of awareness is going to have essentially an impact. Absolutely. So your own state of awareness is going to have a particular kind of impact. Absolutely. And in this particular case, it's I'm going to be aware that I am going to lean into curiosity rather than judgment. I'm going to lean into they know their reality better than I could know their reality. I can take some guesses, but I'm going to be curious about this and I'm going to ask about this. Um, and then listen deeper when they do answer. So I'm not just asking, asking, asking. And so there's something to be said about just leaning into curiosity to some degree and just letting that unfold in a way that's not completely reactionary. There is a direction in in MI, it's goal oriented, but doing it in a way that co-creates with this, this mindfulness. So there's such a presence going on with an intention towards happier, healthier, that we come together towards that. But I don't have to relate to you in that because I'm mindful of that. I'm also mindful of all my reactions and that that's not helpful. But what is helpful is this curiosity, stepping in your shoes and looking at who you want to be and why you want to be it and then helping you feel empowered to get there. That's exactly it. And and think about it this way. So if we go with that, we're talking so much mindfulness that can kind of get out there a little bit. But if you want to bring into something succinct from exactly what you just talked about, think about the difference of my reaction. If I ask an open question like, how can you not see how this is impacting your children? Which is a reaction that I'm having to them not seeing how this is impacting their children. Like, how can you not see that this is impacting your children? That's an open-ended question. Uh, It's judgmental. It's laced with all sorts of things. (laughs) But then you step back to a mindful perspective. You assume positive intent. And if you're going to go for an open-ended question uh, or an evocative open question or a mindful question, then it's like, when you look at this scenario with who you've always wanted to be as a parent, when you look at this situation, in what ways does it just totally line up with who you want to be? And in what ways does it feel like it falls short mm-hmm. of who you've always wanted to be as a parent? Mm-hmm. Which is way different than how can you not see what you're doing to your children? Mm-hmm. And, and I think those, just the, the energy around that and the invitation to explore if their behaviors in line with their values is a very mindful question Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and much less of that like you were just talking about that reactive Mm -hmm. content driven 
I've got an opinion on this. Mm -hmm. How do you shift away from that and still get to, actually not get to, move to a significantly better interaction that's going to be more person-centered instead of guilt-ridden or pressured Mm -hmm. or um, all these different ways we try to coerce or confront people. Yeah, for uh, for the sake of uh, our time, I'll start bringing it to a close here. But just some powerful things that, that Casey is just bringing in here is this kind of spectrum here of you might be at this end of the spectrum right now. You're having all your internal thoughts and reactions, and you're getting really aware of them. Uh, that's great. They might still be coming out of your mouth, yes. and you might be trying to hold on, yes. hang on to them yes. as they come out. But that's that first kind of step in this is learning this mindful awareness. Am I as in a lens on that? And then you kind of shift over to, okay, I'm going to become a little bit more curious. So at least I'll start asking, what do you think? What do you make of this? And oh, so you make of it kind of this. And there's this awkward middle ground where you kind of learn how to get out of your own head and a little bit more in their head. Ask less questions for your reality, more for their reality. That's kind of that next shift over. And then what you just did is that really proficient level of just being very in the moment, very in the flow. You know, in what ways does this kind of line up and in what ways does this kind of not? And there's this this really smooth, fluid awareness, but also it's, uh, as you say, that the duck underneath the, the, the duck's feet underneath the water of going, even though it looks really smooth on top, yes. that's kind of this end of the spectrum. So you, depending on where you're at, you might be in a variety, a variety of different spots here, Very but your much. awareness can keep getting higher and higher and it keeps getting smoother and smoother as you facilitate change. So to help with that, we have more other podcasts and we have the mica that we can throw in and there's a lot of things to help you with an MI lens that we can help with, but hopefully this has been helpful just to give a sense of what is mindful communication from the perspective of MI. Is there anything else that you wanted to? I'm just going to keep saying, keep asking questions right in. Join us when we do start doing our live uh, webcasts that'll be coming up as well too if they haven't already started, um, just join us in those. It just, for all of us at IFIOC, our number one intention is to make this value added. Um, and that's, that is truly our number one intention. So follow us on Instagram, follow us on all social media, um, Facebook, write in, do all the things you can, you know, hashtag MI guys. Uh, (laughs) and just that, that reminder that, you know, we're here to provide the communication solution that's going to change your world. So we'll talk to you later.